Hello and welcome to the final normal episode of Shoot a Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. And with me is J Dog. Hello. And this is the first time the last normal episode had the guest that was originally plan- originally planned for it because the first two times they were person was a little too busy or they lived way too far away and organizing hours was uh, a really complicated this is the first episode uh, uh, returning to show is Amanda oh uh, thank you guys for having me back oh you're welcome yeah congratulations uh, on being the best final guest that's what you're saying basically right <laughs> yes because the first one, uh, his his website, The Spool, got a little too famous, and he... Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, another person lives in Italy, and he's a film professor, and that was kind of difficult to arrange. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> the- well, I am a nobody, so thank you for having me back. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out. Yeah, we found this guest on the street, you know what? <laughs> Pretty close. They were also like, on I've Twitter. Sh- <laughs> I've shot a piano player before. Perfect. Get on the show episode. Did right. pretty accurate, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, so we're, we're, uh, me and Joel are going to do our, our wrap up episode not too long after we record this one. So, um, before we get into like the the actual movie, shoot the piano player. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda, what uh, we we did cover your history with. French New Wave, but what are your like? What who, who are your favorites? Like, what what do you consider the the best movies, the iconic, important movies, all that type of stuff? Sure, um, I'm probably gonna be boring and say that I like like a lot of the the popular ones. I guess like the ones that kind of really um, when anybody thinks of the French New Wave, they would probably mention these, like the 400 Blows. Um, I, I think that deserves all the praise in the world for the obvious reasons, with like the freeze frame and whatnot, but. Um, that definitely, um, move another movie, uh, like elevator to the gallows. Um, same thing. I know that one's mentioned quite a bit. I would say that if somebody was getting into the French new wave, I would suggest that one as well. Um, and even though I'm not the biggest fan of, uh, Jean-Luc Godard, I would say Alphaville just because of, uh, just how unique and fantastic that movie is. Um, and then of course, Agnes Varda, like I'd probably throw, um, uh, let's see, probably, I guess I guess something we talked about before the the show was on uh, Cleo from five to seven is, is a great great starting point too, especially since it's um, one of the the first uh, French New Wave films, um, and she's amazing. So those would probably be the ones that I'd be like, you know, these are the ones to see, and these are important, and they deserve all the praise in the world. Um, so yeah, those would those would be the ones. But I I think like if I had to say to me what my favorite directors of the French New Wave, I would ha- definitely say Agnes Varda. I would say François Truffaut, and I would say Louis Malle are probably my my three big ones that I love. Oh. Uh, who are your uh, favorite actors of the French New Wave? Uh, my favorite actors of the French New Wave. God, that is so tough. Um, I think. You don't uh, say Jean Louis that you're you're not allowed on the show anymore. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Well, uh, Jean Moreau definitely is one of them. Um, so I would say uh, definitely. Um, it's I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to pick favorites. Like I'm, I, I don't. I really. I would have to like kind of sit and be like, oh, it's kind of like picking. I don't know. It's kind of like you asked me what my favorite food was. Like I honestly couldn't tell you. Hmm. Um, 
I really, um, I really like most of them. Yeah. Like I, I can't, I, I think they're all, uh, John Pierre I think is another one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I have so many, so I couldn't, I couldn't really nail it down to just one. I think it kind of is, it depends on my mood to be honest with you because they're all just so unique and yeah. they definitely have that flavor of, um, of that era and of that time and just especially with the different uh like uh, jump takes and different cuts and edits and just the way that, that the directors use the cameras it's just kind of unique to them as well and it really brings them out individually so i don't know if i have a factual favorite hmm. yeah. yeah it's no secret my my is john louis trintignol yeah he's just <laughs> to me the greatest french actor of all time yeah I mean, I'm definitely not invited back now. I'm sorry, but I get it. <laughs> okay. You're invited back. Uh, like, like uh, kind of a spoiler for for a last episode. Uh, Belmondo was the biggest surprise seeing his non uh, Godard stuff. It's like, oh, yeah. he's, he, like seeing him as a hunky action hero and seeing him as like a hot priest is like, okay, like, like this guy's a movie star for a fucking reason. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, you know, and too, and like, and you mentioned him, and I'm like, oh, woman is a woman, like Anna Karina. Like, I would have to say she definitely stands out. I mean, not getting into Jean Luc Godard and everything, but um, definitely she's a standout as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you consider French New Wave? Because uh, I'm still, I, I kind of picked uh, late fifties to sixty eight as the like the the uh, uh, era. Mm-hmm. Kind of just to make it simpler, but what do you consider the actual era of like? Virginia? Um, I mean, I would say like probably, um, like nineteen fifty nine to like I don't know. I think I think the late sixties works. Um, to, to say that. Um, but definitely nineteen fifty nine is is the starting point. Um. Yeah, I, I kind of, I think it's kind of really kind of tough to put like an end point there, but I, I think, I think 68 works. I think it's like 59 to 68. Okay. Uh, spot now, but where, where do you put La Pointe Court? Do you consider that as French New Wave? Um, I do consider that as French New Wave. Um, definitely. Um, I think, um, for, um, for Varda that I would probably say that that's that's as important as like 400 blows if somebody had to kind of uh say to me like what what movies of the era are really like standouts of that period I would definitely I would definitely consider that one as well okay and uh okay so with that over J-Dog uh before yes I like cereal no uh, wait I thought <laughs> you were gonna give me a softball question here is cereal no, a soup um, Cereal is soup, but for babies like me. I, I guess hot dog is a sandwich. Blah blah blah. No, it isn't. Shut up. Okay. It, <laughs> fine. Turns out I don't have strong opinions. Well, I guess my strong my strongest food opinion is Chicago pizza. Is kind of just like what if pizza has more carbs, and it's not that special. It's 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 more like a casserole. If I had to throw my opinions on Chicago pizza, I had it once, and it's like, yeah, it, in Chicago, it's like, yeah, it's just kind of like thick pizza. It's it's fine. It's not not that special. On that topic, my favorite pizza is New Haven pizza. Is that my favorite is that pizza? In, in a burrito? No. <laughs> oh okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't think Santa Haven Perico. has a has a lot of uh, Latinos. Or they could, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You're in Utah now. You you probably see some other Mexicans, right? What was that? Occasionally, we wave at each other. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what are you talking about? Honestly, I don't see that many, and if they are out there, they probably look like me, which is that I look white. Oh. Oh. I get. I guess when you think about it, I see a bunch of Mexicans every day because I live with my brother's family. So, yeah. Utah can't I'll- be that white. <laughs> it's nice of you to to think that. I guess I don't know. I've never been there, but it can't be that white. I mean, I have seen Real Housewives Salt Lake City, and it it's extremely white. The parts you see, <coughs> for the most part. <laughs> I mean, I've been to. Yeah, we're not going to go on a Utah thing here, but I've like I've been to so many different kinds of uh, food from other countries. Just my short time in Utah that I ever have been like really living close enough to Los Angeles that I could easily make a trip out there and back. And I feel like it was just in Los Angeles, like places became famous and then they became hard to get into. So yeah. you'd have to like time it and everything like this. And every you hear it's just like I don't know. Like I run into like, a lot of different South American style foods oh, nice. and bakeries and stuff like that. And there's a whole Greek like um subculture almost that goes on. Like there's just a lot of restaurants that are owned by Greek people and uh like cool. different variations like for some reason, I guess Greeks love pastrami on their hamburgers. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> they have so, a lot of pizza places and diners near me. So my favorite yeah. pizza, my favorite pizza I ever had was when I was visiting my partner's brother. We were we were visiting him. I think it was like a year, uh, closing in on the year of me and me and Mary being together. And we went to uh, what's that place called? Northampton. Massachusetts. Oh, no ho. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a Greek place that had a gluten free crust, and it was like a Greek pizza with feta and other stuff. And this is before I learned I I was lactose intolerant. Oh, wow. Even though it made me sick, it was really good pizza. Nice. I don't know. My favorite thing um, I used to go to a movie theater there that no longer exists, a little art house theater. and uh, what was it? My favorite thing there was the ice cream. Not to go on more of a food t- chan- tangent, but uh, Harold's ice cream, which actually, um, well, people probably don't know this, Ben and Jerry's uh, essentially got their idea for their business from Harold's ice cream in Northampton and their ice that's cream flavors. Place, that's a place where it's like they have a person of the week. Yeah. Yep. And then um, my favorite ice cream that I haven't had in forever there was actually like they put like hot peppers in the ice cream, as weird as that sounds. So you get like the the spicy hotness with the the cool ice cream, which is just kind of the the weirdest thing ever, and it's great. Huh. But yeah, yeah uh, we got ice cream there one think only once when we were visiting. But uh, nice. I remember I, I really like Northampton. I do want to go back there at some point. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> La Pointe Court, um, I would kind of say, like, back to, you asked me if I thought that was a part of the French New Wave. Um, yeah. I 
definitely think it's kind of like one of the the, the uh, maybe you say it's like the the forerunner of it but i would absolutely include it even though it's like a few years before because it definitely has the vibe if people are familiar with it yeah uh yeah I, yeah i think that that's the first part i ever i ever saw and immediately i was like well i have to see every other movie Varda ever made ever made because like i am immediately hooked to like whatever she's going to do yeah i don't yeah. think we we did that many but both the, like the ones that i remember us doing were both inc- excellent yeah. yeah and i had seen like, the point court before and was in love with it previously so i'm the best yeah uh, not all of us have your thing of uh, I have a have to do an alphabet of movies, which is probably a, like a healthier way to like to go through movies than being like scrolling for uh, half an hour and then being like fuck it, I'm just gonna play video games instead. <laughs> yes, I, I advise against only looking for things that you want. <laughs> Otherwise, I think you're doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, J Doc, had you seen Shoot the Piano Player? Before I told you we're doing this episode. I mean, uh, no, no. The only Truffaut I had watched before we even started the podcast, I think, was The 400 Blows. Awesome. And since then, uh, I mean, this this reminded me a lot of the soft skin in certain ways. So, uh, yeah, that makes three, I believe. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, soft skin has really grown on me. Because when I first watched it, it if you hear an episode, I'm very middling on it. But now that might that might be my favorite second favorite movie we've covered. Uh really? And that's the whole cool. season. Yeah. What was your like first initially, one? Uh, number one uh probably has to be I think it has to be Happiness by Varda. Oh cool. If happiness is great. Yeah, I rewatched it recently. I'm not paying attention. I'm not, not going to spoil anything if people haven't seen it. And yeah. it's being like, oh, you can really just fall for the trick of this movie if you're not really paying attention. Because it actually yeah. looks happy and like beautiful and inviting and friendly and just like you know you're you're frolicking in the forest with your family and it's great. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah if you pay, absolutely. Pay attention, <laughs> you're like, oh wait, this is not. <laughs> Not what it looks like, which is like part of brilliant, which is why it's such a perfect movie. It really is, and like um, honestly, like that that makes me think of right now. There's there's been times I'm, I'm sure we've all experienced it of you sit down a friend or family member to kind of check out a movie that you love, and then they don't pay attention to it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't understand why you like it. I don't. I've experienced that quite a bit, and that's a movie that like really could test that. Be like, oh. Yeah, like let's see how much they pay attention to something I'm sharing with them. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and and like the soft skin. Like my initial issue with it was it's Dracula, but it's only Jonathan Harker, i.e., so it's boring. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, that that's why it's brilliant because it's it's yeah. like the boring guy and just showing us like it's like the realistic version of like some of the tropes of French New Wave stuff. Yeah. And it's like yeah, like. You can have affairs, but it's not good. It's right. Not, like... I know we talked about that movie, um, and I thank you guys for having me on for that. But like, I just had this weird idea watching it, and maybe it was just that that sinking feeling of dread of like just kind of 
is trying to see like what his wife was experiencing with all of it but like that spoiler alert i guess the movie is like i don't know like how many years old almost like 60 years old at this point so i guess if you haven't seen it i'm sorry but the scene where she like they find her and she's drowned like it just always like sat with me as like some some man did that like even though it's not really implied that way so i don't know i just like how how just dark and depressing and just the dread that kind of sinks in and how she's treated by him and he's all like oh well isn't it great yeah isn't this awesome i I love you too like and just that kind of always just sat with me guess what kids here's mom (laughs) yeah exactly and then the immediate like oh here i replaced her already like (laughs) yeah she's younger and hotter yeah it's almost like uh well kind of i guess like leo always dumping everybody when they turn 25 (laughs) or i saw saw an alternate take of maybe they dump him because they realize he's old and weird i hope so i hope that's what's happening (laughs) yeah I knew it was over the day Leo asked me to hand him some Geritol (laughs) and (laughs) make sure his adult diapers were ordered off of Amazon. And I think to myself, oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, It's been pointed out before, but people like have said, like, if like if you were like a cute kid or like a heartthrob as when you're younger, Mm -hmm. sometimes you become a, a weird looking adult and he became a weird looking adult. What? Leonardo DiCaprio? You wouldn't say that, but yes. yes. I don't agree with that. Oh. You, I don't oh. think he became a world-looking adult. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. No, Jerry I, Jerry O'Connell, that's a weirdo. Look at that face. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my clients <laughs> watches the talk, and he is he is a perfect daytime talk show host. Yeah. Oh. Like, he has all of, like, all the super cheesy... Uh, like this, like super safe, uh, like uh, aura to him, where it's like, oh, he 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 was he was made for daytime, uh, talk show host. Yeah, Mr. Con- you were busy doing Comcats when you should have been hosting daytime TV, buddy. It's uh, yeah, he's just most cheesy enough. He always has good <laughs> stories about his his teen daughters. Uh, find thinking he's lame and boring. It's like, oh yeah, this is just like, like. Yeah, like he's just like the perfect man to do this job. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend nope. the talk. It, it's just I I kind of have to watch it because part of my job. Uh, okay. So, uh, Joel, did you like shoot the piano player? The podcast. I'm glad you've been doing. Ask- Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did I like the podcast we've been doing? Yeah, it was okay. Okay. Now, the, the, the movie. Did you like the movie? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, now, let me go back to the voice. I'm glad you asked me that, Spencer. In my opinion, Shoot the Piano Player was a perfectly fine um, movie. <laughs> I, I liked I liked a lot of bits of Shoot the Piano Player, and like I give it three and a half out of five on letterbox so obviously it makes the list of like would i recommend it yeah of course yeah i think perfectly good movie even if you're not into like french new wave stuff kind of has an interesting story of like well what's this guy's deal why do we even give a crap about him and i like that they introduce the main character not as like immediately this is the guy we need to know it like we find out 
about him because of his brother running away from some recently committed crime, going and almost blowing his cover. And it's like, well, why is he pretending to be someone else? What's going on here? That kind of thing. And the movie, when it lays that kind of stuff out, it it doesn't feel heavy handed and it doesn't feel weird. It, it almost feels terribly relatable. Like making making those kind of mistakes when you're upset to your loved one, like speaking of happiness, like that that kind of gives me that feel. Like you think you're doing something or you don't think at all and you do an action and then you immediately regret it. Although I can't say yeah. that about the main guy in happiness. I don't know if he ever regretted what happened. But. No, he's a he's a he's a straight white man in a world where he will be uh Rewarded for whatever he does. Mm. Explains why I'm, I'm never rewarded. I'm half Mexican. <laughs> I mean that that's basically the that's like that's that's the moral of the movie, <laughs> kind of. Kind of, yeah. It's other things too, which is why it's so brilliant. But like, yeah, it's. You know, I just love how that, like playful and experimental it is. That's probably <laughs> my favorite oh, yeah. thing about it, honestly. But uh, okay. Uh, Joel, I'm not sure if you noticed. Did you see uh, a certain actress from uh, Van Peebles' movie? Did you notice uh, in this movie, in Truth to Piano Player? I don't know what you're talking about. Remember the the white woman from Story of a Three Day Pass? Vaguely, vaguely. She's the yeah. wife who killed herself. Uh, oh, okay. In this movie. Well. Oh, no, the one who, who jumped out the, the high-rise? The apartment? Yep. Yeah. I didn't realize that at all. Yeah, it shows how good I'm at watching at movies. It took a while to realize, but it's like, oh, I've seen her face before. And I realized, oh, because yeah, uh, uh, she's in the Van Peebles movie. Yeah, I did, I did think she thought she looked familiar, but I didn't put it together with Three Day Pass. So... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not turning in my movie card. I don't care what you say. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and seeing like, uh, oh, there's a scene that, that reminded me of Three Day Pass, the way it was shot. And uh, I think I this is a, one of rare times I barely wrote notes because I was just enjoying the movie so much mm. that I kind of uh, just didn't bother to write down that much. Yeah. When, I'm trying to remember when you say uh, that I haven't seen that movie in forever. Story of a Three Day Pass is that is that the the actress like I can't remember the name of the actress, but in this movie is that Teresa or I'm trying to remember who it was because there's uh, quite a few women in this movie that he has some sort of interest or relationship with, if I remember correctly. Uh, I, think I think it was Teresa, Teresa. his like yeah. wife that committed uh, like had an affair with the the uh, the guy that made him the the famous pianist. I think yeah, that's yeah her. yeah. Freaking yeah. straight out of uh, being, uh, not being inside Lewin Davis. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler for that movie. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I guarantee the Coen Brothers. Oh yeah. Not only have seen this movie, but they probably were even slightly referencing it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I found the part I'm thinking about. It's when Charlie um, is walking home. Uh, Lena. And he has, and he's, uh, very like nervously, like trying to 
like hold her hand and like that yeah kind kind of feels like um a the a, a, a tampered down version of a story of three day pass when uh he when the guy is driving and he and he notices she like adjusts her like her like her uh, short dress mm-hmm. and like he can't really focus and she's talking he's like yep i'm listening and you keep yep. and you keep cutting to like her adjusting her dress yep. <laughs> i have to rewatch that's, it now yeah which is like one of the best moments that i've ever seen in a movie of like yeah that's what the uh, men are like I th- i'll, I'll yep. have done that at some point oh i yeah, just like when he, he looks up and she's not there <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that killed me over, like i was so inside my head i didn't even realize so that's yeah. definitely it's awesome like, oh, she likes Relatable. me and then like she's not there <laughs> yep like oh geez okay uh, I don't want her to think uh, that I don't <laughs> like her uh, oh, oh. oh never mind yeah when, when he's real. going up the stairs behind her and he's like thinking actively don't stare at her legs don't don't stare at her legs yes. I just look at this or look at the wall even though it's boring it's funny that <laughs> like, made me think of uh, Stanwick and like Double Indemnity when she walks up the stairs and you have her brace her ankle like bracelet or anklet or whatever it is and it kind of just zooms mm. into her ankles that's what that made me think of check out those ankle her ankles yeah. her legs yeah he's like don't look at her legs like you said that's so funny yeah um uh, okay uh well a weird thing i noticed this time was like uh charlie doesn't seem like He's not Belmondo. He's not a hunk, but he no. ha- has all these beautiful women who mm-hmm. are like, who are super into him, and he doesn't. He's not even that confident or anything. It's like, it just feels like such a movie trope. And this this movie just feels like taking the tropes and just being like, and like, and kind of like amplifying them to an extent, and just like Frenchifying like the all American tropes of well, this yeah. is what I like, and it's kind of absurd. If you think about it, yeah, I mean, it is it is based on um the a novel um what is the novel called the um it was written by an American uh, writer um like David uh, David Goodis Go- yeah yes um, I think he's from Philly because the book is set in Philly uh, probably um I think that what was it? it was down there I think is what the novel was called but like I remember. I don't know if I read, uh, watched this documentary or I read it somewhere that that was one of the things that's so different from the novel. I haven't read the book. Was that actually the character, the main character in that novel is the complete opposite of Charlie in this movie. So uh, I, th- I thought that that was interesting. That Truffaut, to your point, like I guess chose to have that that type of, of character where they're just, he's insecure and he's shy and and kind of kind of just awkward. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and and clearly feels like a loser, and 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 especially with what happens to his career, and then just, um, I can't remember where I remember seeing this, but somebody made a point of um, just the way that there's a lot of in the movie. Um, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but there's usually more than one person uh, in that scene. Like it's usually two people in a shot, or sometimes three. Um, but at the end of the movie, it's kind of just him and there's multiple scenes in the movie where it's just him and then he's off to the right or the left of the screen. And then what's actually in, you know, kind of in focus and in the center of the screen is his grand piano. So he's kind of just like off to the side. And I thought that it was just kind of like highlighted like how alone he really was, especially at the end. So I thought that that was interesting. So like even, even what Truffaut, um, and the, and the famous, um, 
uh, cinematographer um, for the uh, for this movie, and he made quite a few for um, for Godard as well as uh, Raoul Cotara, I think is his name. I hope I'm saying his name right. I don't speak French, um, but like I thought that that was interesting. That that's that's kind of what they did to show more about him and how alone he was. Was just that sometimes he's just not even like the focus. He's off to the side or he's kind of behind something. So it's yeah, it's uh, like my memory was oh he, he he's like he's a dominant main character and then watching it this time it's like yeah. oh wait he's kind of barely a part of the movie really yes he's just simply surrounded by like it's just like just his like he's brought down because of pretty because of his his brother fucking up yes yeah and then he's you know he's even brought down in terms of of, of his career and then just how that even started with you know that it was because his wife at the time slept with that guy like you know so it's just kind of i don't know, i just think a, a lot of it is just and then he kind of resorts back to to being that that just piano player at the end you know i guess spoiler alert but it's just with his success, there's just that that loneliness. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a fun title. Now, shoot the piano player for it to to go into the direction it does. Yeah, it's 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 sad. Just just in case you were thought it was going to be a laugh a minute, yeah. it ends up sad. And there's definitely like funny parts in the movie. Like we were already talking about his internal monologue and how yeah. I mean, he seems like a real goof. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's definitely like um, a little bit of like um, Marx Brothers, like, or even um, I don't know, just kind of like early, early like twenties, like even Buster Keaton, like kind of like silly, like slapsticky stuff, kind of throughout as well. Just, but it's not like pronounced, but like every once in a while, there's just kind of something silly that seems to occur. Um, even like the end. Um. I mean, it just kind of, I don't know if it's just because of the, the setting with the snow and that house, but it, it made me think of um, the gold rush with Chaplin. Oh, yeah. 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 And then even like the, the shootout as, as horrifically as that ends, it's kind of a little bit silly at first. Like, um, and, and like the part of shootout that to me, like is the silliest is yeah. when uh, Lena uh, does a hair flip. And like she yells Charlie, yeah. it's like this super like cinematic, like this is a movie movie moment. Like this isn't trying to be realistic. This is just like, uh, like, re- like it feels like a like a twenties movie. So like the, it does with that moment. Exactly, and then like so much of it too, and, and that's kind of something that I've always liked about the French New Wave is that it just kind of it it recognizes the audience, and it like sometimes like will like the, the the characters in the films will look at the audience or address the audience which i always thought was cool like this one i don't remember a scene specifically like that but it still like recognizes that you're there if that makes sense like because sometimes just some of the the camera angles and then the way like to your point the way she flips her hair there's just some things that are just very silly but seem like it would just be like almost like an inside joke for the audience i don't even know if that makes any sense but it's kind of just like it's playful with the audience in a way that it, it seems like the movie itself is almost entirely breaking that fourth wall without being so much like, you know, like the show, the office where it just kind of looks at you and they just smirk or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's kind of what this movie was missing. Way more yeah. smirking, way more gym. There you go. You know, way more, way get, more of the silliness. Yeah. Get on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched the interview, one of the interviews, um, this one was from 65 that was on Criterion Channel mm-hmm. with uh, also Godard, with Truffaut. And 
I wonder the first thing he says is something that immediately I was like, I don't know if I like him. And he said he doesn't like Lino Ventura or mm. gangster movies. And it's like, all right. <laughs> like, but Truffaut was also like a very kind of a complicated slash like incendiary person. He didn't yeah. really care if he pissed someone off. Yeah. Not to not to level of Pasolini where he was murdered for it, but to a, to a point that like he was banned from film fest- film festivals at times. Mm-hmm. He obviously became paranoid about it at some point, like a, or something like that. I, I I don't know the details of why he ended his own life, but that probably played a factor. Is like, why does everybody hate me? Well, yeah, they don't. Yeah. They just wonder why you are the way you are. <laughs> I think he was wondering once we didn't like Kurosawa. Oh God! Yeah, I'm glad he's dead. I'm, pre- <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was one of the ones who didn't like Kurosawa. God. Oh. I think. Yeah. What else did this movie? Rem- I'm trying to think what else this movie reminded me of. Like, uh, there's a Fassbender movie, one of the early ones. Yeah. I can't remember. There's so many fucking Fassbender movies. I meant to look up which one, but then I got confused because it's like it's one of the first like first five but they kind of blended my head is the issue yeah um there's a scene too where it's the um what's it what's it called like as much as i love movies i am not even going to pretend like i I know any of these a lot of these uh different types of of uh ways of of shooting different scenes and um but there's uh, when there's that scene in the movie where it reminded me of of a lot of silent films actually the uh abel gantz's napoleon where it's the it's kind of the um three separate um it looks like three separate portholes and it's the character three different times there's a word for it. it's triptych i think um oh, and there's yeah, like there were part. three different panels do you know what i'm talking about yeah but it, it looks like it was straight out of out of um napoleon uh that silent film so like that was another thing i was like this is like so cool like just this movie's just filled with with kind of these references to to movies that are much older and that was another thing that stood out to me so I thought that was interesting. And then kind of the end a little bit too with um, what was the movie that Rosalini did? Uh, Stromboli. Well, there's a little bit of that in there as well, which is really cool, which kind of doesn't really surprise me considering uh, how much um, they were influenced other uh, French New Wave by uh, what Italian uh, neorealism. But I thought that was cool yep. too that that was referenced in there as well. So yeah, like you're into movies. This movie references a whole bunch of things that are that are awesome, and it does it in, a, in like a reverent way, as silly as it is. I'm trying to remember the Fassbender movie. It's either Love is Colder and Death, or it's Gods of the Plague, is what I'm thinking okay. of, where there's kind of like a, a crime uh, angle, and there's like a people hanging out and like at, hiding out in the snow. Yeah. I can't um, remember which one. I know what you're talking about. It'll probably it'll probably come to me like after this is over, but um, I don't know. I just got I got strong gold rush vibes with that one. But um, I know what you're talking about. Crap. Yeah. You, you should you should IMDb this while we're while we're talking. If you got your computer up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, was I wasn't listening. What did you say? Something about movies. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> those are, I mean, those early those early fast benders for me. It's like really blend. It's not until well, he gets into like the mid seventies where it's I can remember them separately. The movie that the driving up to 
from the city to the where the snow was that it made me think of was uh, My Night at Mods oh. when he helps the woman that usually he sees on the bicycle. Yeah, and the one drives the her one, all the way up to whatever campus she was on. The one he was following around town earlier yep. in the movie. <laughs> Nothing weird about that. He's just you know typical Catholic behavior. It's totally, yep. totally, totally defendable. Yep. <laughs> yes. Are you trying to figure out what the movie is? I gave up. All right. I'm so it's, curious. It's love is colder. Love is colder than death, or Gods of the Plague. I'm pretty okay. sure. All right. I think I've seen Love is Colder Than Death. It's one of the black and white ones. Right. Uh, and it stars him, right? I don't remember that much. You. Why, yada. We're all losing, like, our, our movie lover cards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I already lost mine early on when I couldn't pick yeah, a favorite actor say. of the French New Wave. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's gone. I lost my my card starting with episode one. Star Wars, that's understandable. Kurosawa. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, so like, oh yeah, going, kind of went off track for a stretcher, but uh, it's okay. I'm making you edit a lot. Whoever has to edit. <laughs> it's fine. I'll, my yeah, chair is like crazy squeaky, so I'm sure that's not helping. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I never mentioned that to you guys. Has it always been like noticeable when I record and do episodes that my chair is like stupid? Like, <laughs> I don't think so. Really noticed. All right, good. There's also like a furnace that likes to turn on a lot. So, yeah, but, yep, um, in the basement. Uh, like, in that Truffaut interview, after he yeah. was like saying he doesn't like gangster movies, he thinks they're like repulsive. He only likes Scarface, and that which one he likes. Uh, this was in the 60s, so he's talking about the 30s. Oh, he's so talking about, pre-code. yeah, the 1932 one, yeah. That movie's, that movie's pretty cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And uh, he, he specified he didn't want to make a parody of American films because he hates parody because to him it's not real art. But he likes, but he wanted it to be slightly ironic. And I think that really uh, comes across what shoots a piano player. It, it does feel like kind of jokey. And ironic, but it doesn't go into like uh like parody t- territory. Mm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like with like the way it's like the whole thing is just like is just like generic tropes. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know what you know what's going to happen pretty much immediately, and uh, like nothing is a surprise. But it also you know it has kind of like. It feels winky, but not in a way it's annoying. In a way, yeah. it's like it's being played straight, but it's also kind of amplifying like the like the crime movie cliches and like yeah. crime novel cliches. Mm-hmm. It does, but then it it makes it very French, which just the the whole just all the styles and just how bold the French New Wave was, and then. Um, it's funny like what you said about him not liking those types of movies because it just definitely has those <laughs> those vibes in here but it does it in, in a very loving way um and like not to so much segue off the topic but the conversation in the car involving women what did you guys think of that scene <laughs> i thought that was hilarious yes 
<laughs> I mean, luck- luckily, the uh, everyone in the car thought it was hilarious. So. In- in- yes, <laughs> including Lena. <laughs> yeah, like the, uh, the the funniest part was when the one guy is saying like, "Why high heels? Why tights?" And she's like, kind of nodding, like, "I mean, I see your point, but <laughs> but she <laughs> has no response to it." Exactly. So, I mean, the movie just in, in every way, just it, it, it doesn't really have, I don't feel like it really has one thing to say. I think it kind of has a lot of like small little silly things to say, but it, um, to your point, it does it in a way that's just not annoying, which like I would, I don't think any, I mean, I don't think many movie makers today could, could do it in a way that is uh, not annoying. I feel like if, if Hollywood were to take a stab at this or there was just some brand new like movie that was streaming as opposed to direct to video, direct to streaming, it'd be super annoying and I wouldn't be able to get through it. It's a very fine line between, like, uh, between like, uh, like, winking and being, in like, and like having a seizure, basically. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Like, is there anything? Like, I guess, like, for me, um, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos is really good at, like, his movies are hilarious to me. Like, they're the funniest comedies that that. Uh, of yeah. right now for, to me but like he's not winking at you but like if you're if you pay attention you realize oh all of this is just a really dark joke like yeah it, it's not it's not that serious it, it is serious but it's not that serious it's funny you say that but like when i saw the lobster like i was the only person laughing and i thought i was gonna get <laughs> thrown out like <laughs> it was so awkward like killing a sacred deer is like the funniest comedy uh, yeah. in the last 10 years to me <laughs> That was really good, yeah. But I, I don't know what it, I, maybe I don't know. It, it was just the audience I was with was for even that movie were just kind of like silent the whole time, and I was like, I don't. You guys are supposed to have a good time. It's okay. Like yeah, yeah. Like uh, I, last time I watched Killing was uh, like a few months ago, and mm-hmm. uh, Mary walked in and saw one scene and was like, "Why are you laughing? This is weird." They're like yeah, it's really funny. Yeah. If it's funny later to the rest of the world, it's disturbing. Think about that, Spencer. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to watch, I don't know, uh, what's a movie that is disturbing? Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, it's a Dinesh D'Souza documentary. Um, Oh, you got plenty of those to choose um, from. Oh, the the rehearsal on HBO Max. The what? <laughs> the rehearsal, the Nathan Fielder show. Oh boy! Okay, I haven't started watch it. It starts as like typical Nathan Fielder, and then it devolves into like this is fucked up and unethical. It really? really makes me feel a whole lot of things. It, it's it's possible to describe at one point. Like I think the second to last episode. Uh, like there's a point point where like he stares and in the camera during like a rehearsal of a rehearsal of a rehearsal and he and yet an narration says what is this show and i'm sitting there like what is this show and then yeah it it's a trip it's also like really this unethical it's a, okay. it's a strange experience so I you're saying pretty much it. all the things i like so got it i'm gonna put it on my watch yeah. list <laughs> yeah i mean it's been Unethical. As somebody who actually knows somebody who was on one of the episodes of Nathan for You, mm-hmm. he's always been kind of unethical. Yeah. Oh yeah, and this 
in the rehearsal really really brings it to a head because he involves uh, child actors and it takes a really dark turn towards okay. the end. Well, I know my next show I'm going to watch. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I want to watch that show, but it's also I'm going to it's going to like this make me feel weird <laughs> re- uh, rewatching it. Uh, oh, okay. So, uh, do you guys consider uh and true to piano player, do you consider Charlie to be the like the main character, or is he simply a main character because of like like movie structure, movie tropes? Because like it, he again, he doesn't really yeah. do much. He's just he's just simply there. I yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joel. I I don't. I'm not seeing it the way you guys are seeing it. Not not that he's a. I mean in his role that we currently catch up to him in the modern time that the movie's taking place. Yeah. He is very inactive. Like, and he's purposely that way because he, he feels, I, I assume he feels a lot of shame about the way he left by life before. And if reputation would be ruined by what happened. And who knows if that person would even support him after what happened. So he's purposely trying to be low key about everything. Like he, like he happens to s- that woman who sleeps with him. I, I you were saying that like he's got these uh, uh, amazingly attractive women that are interested in him. Well, she she works for a living, <laughs> so I don't yeah. know how attractive comes into it. And well, he happens that, to be next door and pays. Ex-wife. Yeah, well, but when we see him first together with his ex-wife, it's before he has an ego about his, you know, his quote unquote art and stuff like that. And he, they're like very isn't innocently and like very sweetly in, in love. So he has, you know, that personality change, which is another, I don't know. I, I find it very relatable to like, have your nose up in the air and then have something strike it down real fast in a way that you're like, what the hell have I been doing this whole time? Usually that comes with like the wisdom of age. It's like, Oh yeah, I was an asshole <laughs> during this time period. And I admit it, but like for that, that literally having somebody who is ashamed for you and, or did something that they considered for you and you leaving them with the sense of shame that they already had and amplifying it by times 20. It's like you, you can't even look at me after admitting what I did. Mm-hmm. And that person kills themselves. Like what, what else? I mean, he could have been an insane person and been like, well, I had nothing to do with my career. And if it was a different kind of movie that might've actually happened. Right. But he, you know, once, once everything gets falling apart, like uh, basically after, right after his brother reappears in his life, but also after, like he's been building up drama in the uh, bar he's been working in, anyways, because the owner is a mm-hmm. misogynistic douchebag, and Charlie, uh, whatever his real name is, doesn't ever confront him about it. In fact, even after they almost. Getting a huge fight, and, and uh, 
what, what is the name of the the woman that he ends up with that works at the bar? Oh, uh, Lena. Lena. Yeah, thank you. Anyways, so le- <laughs> like listening to Lena get in uh, bar owner's face about all the crappy ways he's treated her and treated other people and treated his own wife. And he's just thinking to himself, like, I can't interrupt this. What am I going to yeah. do? Tell her that, oh, he's not as bad as as he's, you think he is. Like, even though that's the truth, I'm not going to say anything about it. So I don't know what's with his mind. I think when he starts to get that ego again after... You know, this this woman is like, I've been obsessed with you. Like, I know who you really are, and I've been waiting for a long time. That big poster in her wall. To happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's like, okay, why not? Yeah. I guess I am pretty cool. So, I mean, he's the main character. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt okay. about it. Unless you think it's the little annoying kid that I don't understand how that kid fit into the plot. That's his little brother. Mm-hmm his little brother. Yes. I think Charlie is the oldest. No, I think Chico's the oldest and Charlie. Oh, Chico Marks. That might be a reference to that. Might I, be, yeah. I, I think about it. So it's Chico, Charlie, uh, the other one. I think his name is Richard. <laughs> yeah, Zeppo. Then I think Fido, Fido uh, is the baby, but the, the brother with the dark hair that you see for two scenes, I think he's supposed to be like the third in the order so who does fido live with fido lives with his brother charlie mm-hmm. but we never see them mm-hmm. occupying like the same it, or there's you can see him like sleeping sometimes or am i oh. confusing that no uh no he live. they live uh, fido lives with charlie and uh, like, there's a part where he's with the sex worker neighbor, forgot her name. Yeah, that's the only part I remember them even being near Clarice. each other. And I was Clarice like, wait a minute, the... they live in the same place? Yes, Clary. Uh, yeah, they Clarice live in the same is place. The, is the, the prostitute that, like, that cooks for Fido, or Fido. I call him Fido because when he that, it's Fido, I think is how it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, His and brother. Because like, of the point where he's like, you're going to wake him up. Cause so so like uh and he goes okay. to his room to wake him up. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, okay. okay, so there's a theme of waking up brothers in this movie. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's uh Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh and uh Fido <laughs> is w- one of the kids from Four Hundred Blows. And it, it took me a second to be like, I've seen that kid. I don't know in what movie? And then it's like, oh, it's literally like uh, he's literally a year older than he was before. When I saw him walking down the street after class, right before he gets um, chased by the two goons, uh, I was like, this kid looks exactly like the bartender. <laughs> What's going on? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, got the same kind of curlyish hair. He's got kind of the same scrunched up face and like. Uh, very similar, yeah. So, maybe that's the root of the confusion, but I just I just did not get that he was the brother. And I, I like that there's a little, like, nod to, like, the, like, uh, like, young, 
like young boy antics where they drop the ice cream on the car. Mm-hmm. Which is like it, which is like kind of like a loose reference of 400 blows, but it's just a nice like, oh yeah, it is. You did make a movie uh, like that uh, a year ago, uh, a Truffaut. Yeah, exactly. And that one was um, actually not. This one was received. I, I remember from what I read, it this one wasn't received well, unlike the 400 blows. So I think um, on that note, like there were a few like critics that thought that um, that uh, this movie just had no like obvious through line, no like singular story. I think, I mean, obviously the I think the French New Wave was still still new, so I think a lot of critics were still like, "What is this?" You know, like not really open to. Um, how different things were and especially i guess how this is um i would i would i think it's it's fair to say this is Truffaut's probably most playful movie so this one wasn't this one wasn't received that well initially yeah, i can see people saying like it's too generic but like that's kind yeah. of a point is that like yeah. just because something is gen- like I, i've written about this for grumpire when i uh, have done i've uh in the action roundup when i did the two indian movies uh, yeah. for a past two i would bring up like these movies are generic and you know what the you know what the plot is immediately mm-hmm. but it's but like something being generic and by numbers is not bad it's just how it's how it's done that's ex- i mean i i agree with you that that my opinion that's this movie like it, it's how it's done that makes it interesting and important uh, that's 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 where this movie is gonna you know stand the test of time. And now we're talking about it, and we like it versus you know people when they first saw it in like 1960, and they didn't feel that way. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. people are orders like this. Just feels like an American gangster movie. It's like yeah, it's it's supposed to. That's the point. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was like um, there was a, I think I can't remember where the the review was but there i might have been i don't know if it was the chicago tribune or the new york times or something but it was one of those and um you could tell that the critic was just kind of like pissed off about sitting there and watching this movie um and just kind of complaining about like how there's just the movies filled with nonsense and there's all these caricatures and um why all of a sudden like is uh his wife admitting that she's unfaithful to him and then all of a sudden a few minutes later there's like these gangsters that and it's just silly and the ice cream on the car and there's like like doesn't th- totally dislikes how this movie is kind of just again words we would keep using like playful and just um just fun and, and being experimental even though it has very very serious things that it's, it's talking about and um, I'm. I think he is the main character, Charlie. Um, in my opinion, with the movie, like clearly he's a sad, depressed person, even with his success, just because he's been defeated, you know, a few times. And so I don't know. I, I thought that was interesting, like just kind of going back. And I, like I said, I can't remember which critic it was and what article it was at the time. But there's this great one. I don't know if I don't remember if it was the New York Times or Chicago Tribune where he just like he goes off on like how much it's just was all over the place and didn't seem to have any sort of, of uh, a structure even similar to the novel. Like he was just mad about it. It's, it's, it's pretty fun to read. Actually, I'm pretty sure it it's Bossy Crowther the third. Cause <laughs> uh, he, he, yes, that, that might, was, yeah, that sounds right. Cause he was the one, he's a main American critic who was like, yep. Kurosawa was overrated. All he does yes. is rip off John Ford. It's like, you're, you're <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> okay. Okay, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm white boy. It's very likely that it was him. The more they think about it, yeah. 
I think he gave a bad review to um, I think it was Double Indemnity. Well, of course there's he did. A, a a couple famous like noir or like noir <clears> pictures <throat> he really hated that turned uh, out to be classics. Uh, I get I. I gave a bad review to Double Indemnity. No. <laughs> okay. I love that movie. <laughs> no, no, it's great. No, I would never tell somebody not to like it. I just have my, uh, you know, I can only take somebody saying baby so many times. And I think it's Aww. said about 1,674 times. So I, I just I don't like count. Fred McMurray. I get it. It's okay. I, I like Fred McMurray. He was the uh, absent-minded prof- professor. <laughs> okay. Okay. He was. <laughs> I, I, I saw that movie once in elementary school. I don't remember who was in that. Uh, I was, I I was thinking Jerry about like Lewis. Stan Wicks. Yeah, he was the absent no. professor, I think, and he was also in the, the, the original Shaggy Dog, if I remember correctly, too. You're you're thinking of um, what? What's the Eddie Murphy movie? That's he was Nutty saying uh, Jerry Lewis, the Nutty Professor. That's that's Jerry Lewis. Absent-minded is was remade as Flubber with Robin Williams. I remember that. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And everyone rejoiced. You know what? I just realized I've never... Uh, when Disney we did, makes remakes? <laughs> on, our, <laughs> on our other show, when, I, when, we did the Jerry Lewis mo- when we did the Jerry Lewis movie, I lied. I, you lied? I'd never, <laughs> seen, I'd, I'd never seen a Jerry Lewis movie before, besides oh, no. the Scorsese one. Because... Mm-hmm. It was because it was a Fred McMurray movie you're, you're talking about. Was the movie I saw as a kid? Oh, but he I was see. the king of comedy. Hmm? He's also the titular Mister Super Invisible in the movie Mister Super Invisible. Uh, yeah. So I, I only, I've only seen King Comedy and that one we watched for the other show. I forgot the title already. Oh boy. <laughs> There was Jerry Lewis. The Jerry Lewis show. show. <laughs> oh. He's in a, um, well, he had a cameo in uh, it's uh, Mad, 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 Mad World. Mad, I think there's four World. Mads. I think there's four Mads in that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he had a cameo in that. That's the movie my parents tried to get me to watch as a kid. Yeah. Many times. Yeah. And every time I'd be like, no, this is old and stupid. And I'm, I've never Aww. seen it. Probably I've like. never I, seen it. Aw. I mean, I think. I don't know. I, I might be just cheesy and stupid, but I like the kick the bucket scene. Yeah, you are cheesy and stupid. No, I mean, yes. of course not. You're not cheesy you. and stupid. <laughs> Although my, I, my I'm not against did. watching it. Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. Oh, my parents did show me all the Planet of the Apes movies, the old awesome. ones when I was a kid, and I loved all of them. Ricardo awesome. Montalban. I can't remember. What's yeah. the one with them in the mall? Because I liked that one when I was a kid. I don't remember. I you think it of Dawn of the Dead. I think it's Conquest, if I remember right. I can't remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just remember being so excited renting the VHSs from the Blockbuster, because that's all we had. Yeah. Because uh, Blockbuster killed all the local um, pop stores where I lived. I feel like we've talked about this before, but I'm with you. Like, the, all the nostalgia for Blockbuster makes me mad, because it's like, you guys, like, like Blockbuster, like, killed everything that was good. <laughs> like, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't as great as all you guys are making it out to be, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, like I was born too late, so I never got to go to like the cool mom pop store that would have. Yeah, they were wiped you know, out real quick. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a problem. We, my town was small enough growing up that ours lasted longer than. That's awesome. Blockbuster. Good. 
In fact, we even had a Blockbuster open in town eventually, and it outlasted that. But it's gone now, of course. Yeah. Because of yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, there are a couple parts I want uh, I want to bring up. So first off, is the bar entry to piano player the same bar from Second Breath, the Melville movie? Because it looks pretty similar. From which movie? Second Breath. He, he's saying the non-French title. Looks yeah. similar. Yeah, there are a couple of shots. Um, like, because like, it's right by the door. I remember in Second Breath, there are parts where like, the cops come in and like they're right by the bar. And it's like, or maybe it's just a common design of a bar in France at the time, but it looks very similar to the bar in Second Breath. I honestly do not know if it's the same one, but it does look similar. But then again, it could just be that there were so, I mean, there were so many like that. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I'd have to, I have no idea. It does look similar though. This is the Melville movie you're talking about, right? Yes. Melville. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lino Ventura. So that means, uh, Jufro didn't like it. <laughs> yes. And, this is an improv group. Never mind. <laughs> I, I'm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I remember on some Pink Smoke podcast, uh, Thunderbird mentioned that um, Truffaut should have been a writer, mm-hmm. and watching it was a writer. Yeah, he didn't like for novels. Oh, okay. And just watching like 400 Blows and all the other ones we watched, it's uh, I I, I get what he's talking about. Like, there's a very novelistic feel to Truffaut. Yeah, and a lot of those movies, I mean, just obviously the, I don't even know, I don't even know, like, if, I, if I've if i been saying his name right this whole time, but the Jean-Pierre Layard movies, like, all of those, like, he, it's just almost, mostly autobiographical, so I feel like he would have, would have killed it in terms of that type of um, storytelling. Yeah. And, he, and like every movie uh, at least early on he seemed to have a certain style and then that kind of morphed into like the last 15 years or so it seems to be he would kind of jump around yeah, genre to genre trying to figure out like what to do next and then he's like I'm going to be in Close Encounters <laughs> yeah yes yeah and that was a great choice because I don't know his character is so like weirdly mysterious but also yeah because he's a scientist he plays it he plays it totally straight like oh yes we've been communicating with him this whole time like, <laughs> that killed me the first time as I, I like like that I, like when i started getting into movies and i was like oh my gosh like he's in close encounters and i was like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty cool how oh, is it uh I, w- I wonder what he thought of that movie, though. <laughs> right? Like, oh, my friend Steven asked me to be in it, even though it was a piece of shit. You know? <laughs> oh, I bet he was disappointed Steven uh, liked Kurosawa. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I, I can imagine Truffaut being a, just like having no filter. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a blessing and a curse, honestly. It, it's, kind of, it's kind of good, I guess, depending on, on you know, how you how you choose to use it. 
I, I don't think a lot of the uh, Cachet de du Cinema, you know, starter pack there had filters yeah, on it. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, like Chabral could be like could be pretty brutal, not yeah. as brutal as Truffaut. Revet, uh, I don't think for, my my understanding of that Revet wasn't as harsh, but he could be pretty <laughs> harsh. Godard is just kind of confusing when you <laughs> see his opinions on stuff. Yeah. I think it was hard to get. Uh, well, no, okay, Romare Romare had nothing to do with that, right? He's just uh, Romare. Was a cash I do send my think, oh. like the, the the original four was uh, Rivet, Chabrol, Godard, and Truffaut. If I remember correctly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, they all suck. <laughs> uh, uh, In I'll, conclusion, well, one of my favorite of the best of the bunch was Chabrol. Well, most first time was Chabrol of the, of the bunch. Yeah. I think I, I like Revet the most because I, I just love like the four hour like theater experiment shit he would do. It's like, yeah, I, I love this. <laughs> yeah, I, give me 12 hours of this. This is perfect. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, gosh, if I had to think like my favorite of his, is, I'd have to I have to go back and rewatch all like a lot of his movies. But I, I remember just always thinking of Paris Belongs to Us as probably... That's probably my favorite. Uh, okay, so um, does you you two would probably know more than me. Does oh. uh, shoot the piano player count as a noir? No. I mean that's the novel, but that's and they, I mean they I, definitely. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. They 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 subvert that by making it not about the crime and mm-hmm. and whatever working through the stuff like it's it's way more about him working through his stupid feelings yes and how he's like unable to like forget the past and move on basically um so i think it's like definitely in the background the fact that there's that novel with the, the you know the, the noir and the, the thing that he hates the gangsters and all that stuff so i think it's more um on his yeah. internal struggles and trauma he's experienced and then is super focused on being experimental and playful. Okay. Yep, that's to, go, to go on a different thing, um, I find that ending scene, like the start of the ending scene where he like shows up at the house he's, you know, used to live in with his mm-hmm. brothers and his parents and, mm-hmm. and they're like, huh, he's finally one of us. Yeah. I just found that like incredibly heartbreaking. That, that was like revealing the motivation for a lot of the things he had done in his past. Like I don't want to end up a criminal like right. these miscreants that I'm related to ended up it's like at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then it even I I mean and then it gets sadder with how excuse me, the um he ends up in the in the bar and there's the new barmaid. <laughs> yep. And then he's back to his piano and he is clearly, like I mentioned before, not the focus. Like he's like almost like he's far, I remember like to the right of the screen, it's just his, his huge grand piano. And that's kind of like all you see. And it's just, you know, I guess back to the grind. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. Like the family stuff I found really 
this was the first French New Wave where I was like, wait, these can be good movies. And like, so this has always stuck out in my mind. And like, I kind of forgot the finer details and stuff with the family was this real fast thing. Cause like you, you get just enough. It's never elaborated on. All you see is like, uh, they do shady stuff. He, he left. And like this time it's like, Oh, wait a second. Okay. I, I, it's about his emotions in, uh, I forgot where I was going with that, but like this, like second time through, I don't love, I, this was my favorite French New Wave for a long time because it was the only one I, I actually liked. Yeah. Uh, but, um, it still, still definitely is up there for me. It just isn't like seeing other true foes, like, uh, yeah. Kind of, and other, yeah. For, uh, other French New Wave that you actually like to imagine. Yeah. Yeah, cause I think it was just like the samurai. Like the first half is great, and then it's like, okay, can something just happen? And the good early Godar stuff is this. It's it's it's, it's, it's important. Guard a lot of that. <laughs> it's important, but it's it's vegetables. I don't. It's it's not fun. It's not. It's not for me. Yeah. yeah that, that's a funny way to look at it too, because I, I don't think when people saw it at the time, right? They, I mean, it was new and exciting and completely different than, or maybe not completely different, but it was it was different than like the popular output that would have been showing up in cinemas. Most of it was probably even um, American stuff. So it's like that time I was like, oh my gosh, wow, oh people die in the, these movies. Like, there's consequences? What the? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. Like, there's even, um, I mean, even just, you know, the having the, the mistress or the um, just, just kind of how bold it was, like, I guess, socially. Um, you know, people like having, in the same bed as opposed to separate ones. Like, I Love Lucy. Okay. Um, the, the, the nudity was, like, yeah, shocking the nudity. just to see, like, oh, wait, this is kind of early for this. Yeah. Like, whoa, what is this, Japan? Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, honestly, like just thinking about movies like, um, I guess like Vertigo even, uh, as, as awesome as Vertigo is, that movie's a masterpiece. Like it feels very constrained, like studio, like, you know, one person in a shot, the, the kind of, you can see and feel the camera moving, but like in, in a controlled, like studio type of way, if that makes sense. And everything seems very much, um, kind of following that etiquette of what you're supposed to do when you make a movie in a studio, in a big studio. And I, I can't imagine going from that to then seeing something like this. And I think, you know, movies now are still so influenced by the French New Wave that we don't really realize that what we're seeing was so radical for the time. Yeah. So just yeah. even just the way they were doing like the different jump cuts and stuff, like they didn't have to actually like be like, oh, hello, audience here. This is, you know, what it is. And let me, you know, move my camera over to that for you to see it. Like now it just jumps in these movies. It just jumps ahead to it. So it's just doing all these things that are, I think like, I mean, just my opinion, I don't think we don't really realize how different it was to, to sit in a theater and watch something like this then, you know, if, if we compare it to what Hollywood was putting out at the time. And like the handheld cameras, like, you know, how, how radical was that at the time? Just, just using those as opposed to, you know, something that is much larger and on wheels in a studio. 
They don't even follow the 180 rule. What the yeah. hell's wrong with them? Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah, like I was doing her like how uh, how was this publicly perceived like yeah by a, by a mainstream audience because so much of it is academic mm-hmm. in the like like the film world and yeah I I always do wonder how much of it like actually transferred over because I know Breathless did uh, yeah, to like an extent first, but like, like it was like the I think it was like the first like mainstream like success of the French New Wave was Breathless. Yeah, that was, the, I mean, that inspired at least uh, a couple of the people that w- what became the Hollywood new wave. Yes. Like, just seeing that movie repeatedly, seeing Kurosawa movies repeatedly, like, almost the yeah. same influences all around. Yeah, I'm like, it's, man, it's just like, everyone recycles the same thing. Everyone's influenced by kind of similar stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which, John uh, Ford. Yeah, 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 kind of like goes back to John Ford, it seems like. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, the Young Turks, like, initially were all about talking about, you know, not only what at the time what they felt was like sterile about Hollywood, but also celebrating people that weren't common to be like celebrated by movie critics at the time. Like, they were like super into like Orson Welles, for example, and mm-hmm. that just wasn't cool then. So it's kind of interesting. Like, so I think it's like really hard for us now to be like, what were what were people really thinking then? You know what I mean about this? Because it just, you know, telling people that they should celebrate certain people of the past, and then also it just seems like, from from what I understand, that they're the idea and the, the reaction to movies then, and and how they they were arguing they're sterile. Like I could say that about Hollywood now. I feel that way about Hollywood now. Like how many more, you know, you're remakes do we need how many more superhero movies do we need like at some point like like are we gonna try something different and new like you know so i I think they had the same feelings then so it's just interesting to kind of see history somewhat repeat itself and like are we gonna are we gonna grow and is something new gonna happen or is it just all gonna become tiktok like what are we doing so you know what i mean so what were they thinking then yeah there's always like a big catalyst of like there's going to be a shift and then it's going to get stale there's going to be a shift it's going to get stale yep. and it's all going to come back to where it started in yep. some 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 way exactly yeah and like the last time i feel like there was any sort of indie movement that actually affected hollywood they took the idea of the indie film and they just like rebranded themselves oh yeah we're, we can do indie like no no the entire point is that okay they shouldn't have the backing of that budget like it stifles creativity to just have money in in some cases to do whatever you want like if you're making an amazing science fiction movie yeah. for the most part having a good budget would be helpful and then I somebody could be like, well, what about the original Star Wars? And I was like, well, look at what George Lucas like. Obviously, he wasn't satisfied about it back then. Now, we love right. it. Yeah. But also, George Lucas's uh, wife at the time kind of made it more human. And exactly. Like, yeah. People, Faster and people more kind intense. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people kind of forget, like, I forgot her name. Like, you know, that she was, she was the one who was like, you have to make it emotional and, you know, Something that humans like, can connect with. Editing his scripts and stuff like that. 
became what he hated. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't even know. You know, when it comes to like his opinion on the things that he was making, like he's in that case, he is the artist. Whether like whether whether you think the um, what's it called the the thing where the director is like the the biggest influence on the, the movie theory, yeah, yeah. Whether or not you think the author has any any base in reality, he definitely had complete control over like the one, two, and three, that everybody was like, what the hell? Yeah. And, and part of the problem was that. So it was his, whatever artistic vision, I, yeah, I have no idea if anyone's, like, actually gotten his, like, real opinion, like, well, I, I liked what I did. I, who knows? I mean, it's funny, like, I, I remember he wanted um, David Lynch to direct Return of the Jedi, or at the time it was Revenge of the Jedi, and like mm-hmm. David Lynch totally refused it because he's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing a, somebody else's artistic vision. I do my own. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Um, then he did Dune. Y- yeah, yes, I, they did. I think what he did, he said, "Sorry, George, I've got my fingers in the pie of a movie called Dune. I can't do your movie, but uh, good luck." A, that was a good impression. <laughs> he's probably like I I talked to Mel and he said uh, I shouldn't do it so no yeah (laughs) I'm talking about they were buddies you know so yeah Um, I mean I don't know I've I think Star Wars not to go on that tangent but like I used to be a huge fan like it was probably unhealthy and then when um, Disney you know got its fingers into that pie I was like I'm done I'm done. I'm walking away now because, you know, even though it wasn't perfect up to that point, at least it was still his vision and it was his idea and it was his thing as flawed as it was. Um, So it definitely I think it just kind of did a 180 and became what he never wanted it to be. Like at the time, nobody wanted Star Wars. They all thought it was crap. Like 20th Century Fox like was the only person that got like brave and said, yeah, okay." everybody else turned it down. So, you know, here we are. Yeah. Yeah, there's it's uh, there's like just too much Star Wars TV oh, yeah, and stuff. It's obnoxious. Yeah, and uh, I, I've re- I've reached a point of like I kind of I yeah. muted Star Wars on Twitter a long time ago. And yeah, just like, yeah, I'm glad I did. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like too much. It's I it's creatively bankrupt now. Like I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't think that's extreme to say anymore, but it is, and there's no reason for that. Like there there could have been so many things that they decided to do with it, but I mean, you put it into the hands of a company that is essentially I mean, I'm a factory and like wants to make money. Like then th- th- that's why we're here now. So, and to go go to video games, I just learned there's a fan game that's like a, a 2D similar to like Mortal Kombat style uh, gameplay wise of Star Wars. God. that uh it's really good like Is it's it? it's a fan made yeah i've seen oh, okay. videos and it, it looks like legit uh i won't say a name of it you can look it up if you're curious about it sure but uh but like they have to kind of keep it uh on the down low so yeah. on down low yeah because like disney will get involved because there's the other will. one there's the other one from the ps1 Fighting the game Terrace Kasai. That's what I thought about. I think is how you pronounce like Masters of Terrace Kasai. I think that movie was not. Yes, good. Or that game was not good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, you just look at it. It looks terrible. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, broken as fuck and very unbalanced. And I yeah. am in a fun way, just unbalanced. Like I watched a video of it. It's like the AI is just 
is this unfair in like a snk kind of a way yeah and it just and then it's just i don't know something about that era with uh early like 3d games it just doesn't look good either it hasn't aged well so it's just the whole experience is bad i like star wars yeah (laughs) that's fine star wars demolition though on the ps1 that was awesome i don't know if anybody's played that that. one it was like a twisted metal but star wars it was really cool Mm -hmm. And the soundtrack oh, yeah. is awesome. Yeah. yeah. There used to be Star Wars games all the time, but. Yeah, that game's good. Not anymore. Well, yeah. When Star Wars went bankrupt, they. <laughs> yeah. Need to get out. But, like, uh, I, I haven't played the. Uh, whatever the one that came out that's kind of like a slight Dark Souls y type Star Wars game. Fallen but, Order? Yeah. A, a lot of people say it's pretty good. I haven't even played that yet. I think I, I probably actually downloaded it or have it somewhere but i haven't played it yet mm-hmm. i played so much elden ring and then i finally moved on <laughs> oh yeah hmm. i was uh I, i've been on a fence of the of battlefront but at the same time like i don't i want to pay for online because yeah. it would only be worth it for online yeah i played the the first I guess, reboot of Battlefront. I think it was PS4, and it was fine. It just wasn't the ones I played. Like, I played them on the PS2. It's very different. I guess it's just the whole, very, it's just, I don't know, like, very Call of Duty-ish to me. So, I was just like, yeah. Yeah, the PS1 ones were, like, single-player experiences that they were like, cool. had stories and stuff like that. Yeah, and then they were yeah. like, you know what people like? Yeah. Multiplayer. And I was like, well, I don't. Uh, okay, too late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just... waiting for them to uh, re release um, whoever has the rights. The uh, uh, Squad Commando. Oh, what is it called? Yeah. The Xbox oh. One. Oh, God. Who is... uh, what? Squad Commando? It's a, for, it's a FPS where you're a, like a stormtrooper. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Republic oh. Commando. Yes, that one. Republic Commando, yeah. I mean, you can get that on good old games, I think. I'm trying to think. Was that also oh. released? It might be also on the Nintendo Switch, believe it or not. I think it was released recently, like in the yeah. last year, on the Switch. Oh, okay. And maybe yeah, PS4. It, it, somebody finally gave, gave the note to uh, <laughs> to Disney, like, actually, we want to buy those games, even though some of them were crappy. And so you can get, like, like when I was buying mac games back when i was like 12 i there was like this x-wing game that i could never figure out how to play and it's like i can buy that now which is really cool yeah yeah the the wii u store is still up and we just bought a a wii u and um so i have i have metroid prime trilogy because that's the only way you can get metroid prime 2 right now and not Wait, spend a hundred dollars on it. Dollars on it for GameCube. I was gonna say, yeah. And I got a Super Mario RPG because oh, that's the last time I'll be able to buy it. I'm pretty sure. Probably with the nonsense that Nintendo does, like yeah, yeah. yeah and you know, you know, people expensive. people want to buy their old <laughs> games, but they don't seem to understand. Yeah. No, it, I mean it comes down to like a lot of rights things in the sense that like. They still have to pay certain certain uh, people that worked on each of the games, yeah. and whether or not. But everyone, everyone else is able to uh, get their old game rights. But Nintendo seems very slow to uh, do that. What do you mean, everyone else? Yeah, like the Mother series, that's a disaster. 
Well, oh, that's... We, we, you can get Mother 3 if you yeah. look in the right place. I want it legitimately. Yeah, same. <laughs> well, uh, I can tell you guys a place to find it when we're done. Legitimate. <laughs> okay. But, uh... Yeah, but, like, why, why isn't there... Why isn't, like, F-Zero-GX available? Why, why is the GameCube stuff completely overlooked? I don't understand yeah, because why that air. I don't have another answer yeah. for you, but that's, that's literally why. Yeah. The GameCube stuff overlooked? Like, Paper yeah, Mario Thousand-Year Doors, like, the coolest game. Like the, the Wii U store has everything except the GameCube stuff. Of course they do. Well, I mean, that's... I don't think that they had a emulator, like even ready for that until like maybe the last eight years, I guess. And when you think yeah. about how old the Wii and the Wii U are, it's like, wasn't that far gone from GameCube. Yes. But there are certain games I want to play where it's like, I have to pay over a hundred dollars to get it or download a thing. And it's like, I don't know how to do that stuff right still. Oh, I'll that show was... you a site where you can get it. Supposedly, legitimately, of, yeah. Supposedly, a lot of GameCube remasters are coming to the Switch. I don't know if that was like legitimate or not, but that's 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 on the internet. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't exactly. trust what, anything they say anymore. I yeah. like I like old games as much as the next person, but I'm not particularly excited on the cycle that they have been in, where it's like, here's Nintendo, here's Super Nintendo, like. It's kind of been a nice treat for yeah. the N64 stuff that I've seen, although I, I haven't actually played it uh, because it costs like $75, but that's for like a year, so that's not actually that bad. But um, anyways, uh, Truffaut, he also loved Game Boy, and yep. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so um, I'll keep all that in. It, it, it's the last episode. It's fine. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're doing so, an okay job for your last episode. You're doing great. Uh, yeah, the best guest on the last episode we have ever had. <laughs> See, I legitimately mean that. I don't know about Spencer. He's going to mean Yeah, I don't know either, but that's okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Street of Piano Player is a... It's a if you like crime movies, crime movies, then uh, you'll like it. If you don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you won't. Maybe give it a yeah. try. If you liked um, the soft skin, I do think it's it's in that same kind of like vein thing, but not not nearly as good as the soft skin. But yeah, compare them. Yeah, Softskin's is a real magic trick of what if the protagonist is extremely boring, but it totally normal. works. Yeah. <laughs> it might make it weird, but fun because it's, I don't know, like double feature with uh, the Louis Mall movie, um, Zazie in the Metro. I think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking I of... seen it. I was thinking of the recent movie uh, uh, Saloom. The uh, Sengali's movie. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, very vague. It's uh, I won't say much about that movie. Besides, people keep saying it's like From Dust Till Dawn, but uh, uh, not really. 
because this movie is actually about something and from Dusk Till dawn isn't about anything besides vampires and tarantino looking feet okay. listen here jan <laughs> no, wait, uh, but yeah uh, so, but, <laughs> yeah yeah cheech marin playing three different roles Uh, yeah, I'm rewatching that movie for me was a mistake. <laughs> I should have kept the memories. Yes, you should have. Yeah. Yeah. Let uh, this be a lesson to everybody. Yeah, if you if you like Rob Rodriguez, don't don't go back. Yeah. Just keep keep your memories. <laughs> yeah, I feel that way about a lot of things I saw in the '90s. Now. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, Battle Battle Angel Alita Nation speaking here. Uh, what are you talking about? Uh, Robert Rodriguez is one of the bravest voices in cinema. Um, Alita he, forever. The oh best God, thing he ever know, did. Like, Twitter had uh, audio. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing he ever did was greenlight Lucha Underground as a TV series. That is uh, the best way to get someone into wrestling. It's, uh, it's the, the best entry point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to know shit. You just have to. Use. You can follow from the beginning. There's no like decades and decades of wrestling stuff you have to kind of eventually pick up on. It's just like, uh, like you know, you watch from the beginning. And it's like a TV show, you and not not like TV shows to put on my watch list. Yeah, Lucha Underground kind of floats around different places. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be on Tubi still. I don't know, but okay. uh, the. Seasons kind of get worse as they go along because uh, they they said like we're not we're gonna run it like a TV show, not a wrestling promotion, mm-hmm. but they do the same shit the wrestling promotions do, and they ran into the same problems that they run into, and so they lost some of the key people that made it uh, really good towards the end. Does El but, uh, make an ex- make a, an appearance? Uh, no. Uh, but the blue blue demon junior does. Okay, I don't know who is that is. That was, that was his partner. Gotcha. Sometimes, sometimes tag team partner, sometimes rival. It kind of depends on the movie. Gotcha. Junior. Yeah. Oh, and there's a lot of people who are now canceled who are on who are on um, who's trying to ground, and for a good reason. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and for oh, a good reason. Okay, cool. I, that on my watch list. I think uh, I want to thank Robert Rodriguez, uh, Robert Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez for giving. Uh, is her name? Crap! 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 Alexa Vega. The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, no. Spy Kids. Alexa Vega. Oh, Carla. No. Carla Gugino. Carla Gugino. Yes, Carla Gugino, giving her roles, letting her get money. She is wonderful. And I'm not just saying that because she's one of the most attractive women I've ever seen. She's great at acting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Don't disagree. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, shoot the piano. Oh, suddenly I'm the piano player. I see what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah, yep. you are. Yeah, so, yeah, this movie, shoot the piano player is available kind of everywhere because it's, you know, it's one of the keystone movies of, uh, French New Wave. And, uh, 
Well, it's not a Mahalo uh, Soleil Haroon movie, so it's available everywhere. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were on that episode, which... Yeah. Uh, as of as of this recording, has not been released yet, but... Okay, I was, like, hope- so worried I missed it. I was like, I don't remember seeing that going up. Like, uh, Hopefully soon. I have to edit. What- that was well, fun. Tr- it was fun. Yeah, Joel, I did tell you about the other episode I'm editing right now, where I have to kind of make a big choice on uh, uh, a part of it. Oh, did somebody not watch the movie? I've li- I've listened to podcasts like that. Where no, was, I think it was. That's honestly- usually what I do. <laughs> no, uh, so someone said something in the episode where it's like I don't know if I should keep this in or not. Oh, and I I'll tell you afterwards. I'll cut this part out, but I'll tell you afterwards what okay. what they said. Because there was um, it was an episode. I can't remember what the episode was exactly i just remember it was an episode of wrong real where like one of the guests misunderstood what the movie was and watched the wrong movie <laughs> oh yeah and it was hysterical and it was great like it still like flowed and was awesome but like i just it was just funny to me i can't remember this what is, it was i think it might have been dan in a bob episode because he watched yeah, black sunday not mm. sabbath or i have it the opposite I think you're right. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's what it was. It was just so funny, though. Which, in <laughs> honesty, I, I can understand making that mistake. <laughs> it's like they're my favorite band. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it, like, which Bob is it? Black Sunday or Black Sabbath? I, I'm not sure. See, so you guys know if it were me, I would have watched both <laughs> just to be safe. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dan also has three kids, so I'm sure they they take up TV time too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think it, he has a bunch of kids. Yeah, he, he's a busy. I'm busy, dude. I'm sure he's a fun dad. He seems like a fun dad. Definitely. Is, is he impregnating his wife? Yeah, he has three kids. He's he's had sex three times. Whoa, that's three times more than myself. <laughs> yeah, there's no proof for you. Nope. God. <laughs> At least I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh year this is came out nineteen sixty, but uh Yeah, I don't know, do you have recommendations if you feel like doing that? Because we we've covered this year so many times already. <laughs> no for nineteen sixty. I, like, I didn't yeah. even look, but what about you, Amanda? Do you have anything that stands out? Um I didn't prepare for this, so I'm going to wing it. Um, that's, 19- that's what we always do. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to think. So, I think Zazie in the Metro is 1960. If you guys want to correct me on that, I think it is. The Louis Malle movie. That movie's a lot of fun. I wouldn't say it's like my favorite of his, but it might make a weird... It has a silliness to it. I mean, it's not... I don't remember it being nearly as depressing as, as this kind of can be when you kind of learn more about Charlie's character. Um, but it's definitely fun. Um, it's surreal. Um, it has a lot of visual jokes, too, so it's pretty cool. So I would say that, like I said, I think it's 1960. Um, another one that I really like, and I think is maybe a little bit underrated, I don't hear people talking about it a whole lot, is uh, a George Powell movie. I think The Time Machine is this year. That movie's really good with Rod Taylor. Like, it's probably my favorite version of um, of that that story, The Time Machine. Um, it's just it's really cool, and the uh, the special effects are just even though you can tell that the movie came out in the '60s, they just they definitely have aged, but not in an awful way. Like, it's it's an awesome movie. 
So it's definitely something to check out. And, and it's George Powell, and that guy was amazing. So I, I would recommend that. Those are probably the two that come to mind quickly. I mean, Breathless is also 1960. That's a must-see. Um, but those, I think those are my two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I agree that Breathless is a must-see. But, uh, yeah. you know, you know what our preference is. Yes. <laughs> Richard Gere version. Best remake. Yep. You get James Hong towards the end. That makes it like it's great already, and then James Hong shows up and it gets even better. Yeah. Yep. Well, and this is the year of um. Again, I'm hope I'm. I think I'm right. I think this is the year of Psycho too. I mean, you got to see that. Oh That's yeah. A classic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, for me, I have two quick ones. When a woman ascends, when when a woman ascends the stairs, I always get the last name wrong. Naruse. Okay, I, I got it right this time. I always switch up the last two uh, syllables of his name. Yeah. Pablo Naruto? N- Naruto, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I anyway. What's your French name, so I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I love yeah. Naruto. Doesn't he say, gotta go fast? <laughs> yeah, he should. But, uh, yeah, so what, when a woman sends the stairs, it's great. Uh, yeah. I think it's one of. When a, uh, I think this kind of a Japanese new wave. I'm not sure. Well, uh, you know, no, I don't think about. Uh, probably not. Naruse might so. be a little too old for yeah. Japanese new wave. Yeah. But this is a young Nakadai, and you think he's a good guy in this. And this is the era when he's playing villains, but he's not as good as a, as good of a guy as you think he is. But it's not gonna die, so he's and he's the greatest living actor of right now. Besides James Hong. And my other movie is Inherit the Wind. Oh yeah. I haven't I haven't <laughs> seen it, but I <laughs> Oh yeah, and I have not seen it, but uh there's a, a person who lived at a he home all I work I worked at for a couple of years who was in yeah. the movie. Oh, and uh, he was cool. a he was a he was a circus strongman who became mm-hmm. a security guard at yeah. I guess Fox whoever made the movie and interesting and he and he he told me Tale about like, oldest time told me about like he had lunch with like um with Hepburn and Tracy or in some shit like oh uh, yeah so he knew Spencer Tracy then that's cool yeah uh yeah, yeah he he's a cool dude uh. I I think he might be dead, cause he, he was pretty pretty up there for by the time I met him. But uh, yeah, he's a. Uh, I met someone who you know who was on Spencer Tracy movie and got to like see the stars. Like, I mean, you know, Spencer he, Tracy is definitely dead. If that if that's what that's <laughs> just yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I think Inherit the Wind's good. Like it's it's definitely timely because it discusses things that have uh, become controversial again in two thousand and twenty two. So. Yeah, that's that's a very. Oh, what trend is it? Book burning or Nazis? It's uh, well, the monkey gotta, trial. Yeah, it's um the the Scopes monkey trial. Like it is the fictional version of it, the nineteen twenties one. I'm going to assume that that you guys think that I know what you're talking about, so I'm just going to be like, oh yes, of course. Oh, it's um uh, Ev- this evolution. high school teacher that um was uh, accused of like violating the a law that made it unlawful to teach about Darwinism, basically. Oh, in, in state schools, yeah. Yeah, 
Oh. Shouldn't be teaching theories in classes. You know, like gravity. Why would you do that? Yeah, just, just teach How the Bible. Because that is science. Yeah. I mean, it's proven. See, it's written down, isn't it? Yeah, it is. What else do you need? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, J-Dog, do you have a quick random thing or not really? No, no, I don't have anything. But I'll say that, uh, like, I, I've really enjoyed doing these uh, French movies because a lot of them, like, I wouldn't have probably watched, even though a lot of them are super famous. But I, even now that we're at the end of this, I have to say that I'm still shocked at how open the Japanese seasonally did in the first mm-hmm. time. Like, how open they were about all these taboo subjects and things that, I mean, they were taboo in other countries, but for some reason in Japan, they were like, yeah, we're going to talk about abortion. Yeah, we're going to talk about drugs and violence and all that kind of stuff so yeah, like like you know like their, their youth rebel movies are actually like a lot more impactful and upsetting compared to like mm-hmm. what hollywood's doing for sure to be, yeah it seems to be pretty like the world likes to talk about things and not like well hollywood's concerned about offending like uh, like middle america or some shit in japan's like we don't give a shit we're just gonna like show you like this is real life yeah, and, and it and it's upsetting. Yeah, exactly. I've always found that amusing when I've had conversations with people that aren't really into movies, but they're like, "Oh, well, if only like movies were like you know moral again and had good 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 themes and everything." I was like, "What are you talking about? Like, what are you what are you, what are you watching? Like, what do, what yeah. do you think they were?" <laughs> That's definitely something my father has said. But the funny yeah. thing is that. He because he's kind of a a sports head. He's watched so many of these movies where the sports figure or something else happens that's super tragic, and he, he doesn't think of it that way. You know, it's yeah. a historical concept or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So right, talking so, about like pre code uh, Hollywood and everything, and I was like, oh, pre code Hollywood. Like they talk about prostitution and all sorts of things. And they're like, no way. Like it was the thirties. Like those Hollywood movies used to be all great and like you know about you know the, all the good things. Oh uh, no. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Wizard oh. the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. 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 So uh, in conclusion. Yeah. So Amanda, you're on podcasts from time to time. Uh yeah. Whoa. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. So um I've been uh, really enjoying you guys having me on, so thank you. Um, I'm definitely not the most professional person or anybody that's famous, so it's just been awesome still having being able to have conversations with you guys. Um, oh, so my God. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, we have only two famous people who really yeah. show up. I'm just yeah, a schmuck Joel on Twitter, and so And who's the you. other person? Huh? <laughs> I said Joel, and who's the other person? Uh, Jared Gilman. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um. In terms of like, I haven't done a lot of podcasts lately, um, but um, I do have um, a few friends that have a kind of a nerdy podcast and it's called So Wizard Podcast. And I've been on a few episodes for them um, recently. I did an episode on um, the movie that A24 released, Bodies, 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 and uh, got a little <laughs> bit of a little tiny bit of a, I would maybe, maybe an argument. I say disagreement. Um, that was fun. And uh, definitely... Um, Definitely, uh, there was, there was, uh, it was good. It wasn't anything bad, but that was fun. 
Um, and then um, they're going to be having me, I guess, on again to talk about the new Halloween movie, which I do not want to see is going to be awful, but I will help them out with that. Um, that's oh, kind I of, forgot that they were coming out. Yeah, Halloween ends, which is totally a lie because it's not ending. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, it's never going to end. It's like Star Wars and everything else that they can't stop making. But um, yeah. I will definitely do my best to go into it with an open mind, but um, it's definitely not ending. I'll say that. So, um, yeah. yeah. I will see it if um, Real Housewife from Beverly Hills, uh, Kyle, Kyle Richards is in it. If she's not, I'm not interested. I mean, she was in one of them, right? She's in Halloween Kills for, I think, two scenes. Yeah. I don't even remember that Trust movie because it was so bad. I I didn't, liked, liked it's it. a bad movie. But yeah. I, I remember perking up like, hey, it's her housewife. I know her. Yeah. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the best part of the movie, in my opinion. I don't even remember it. <laughs> and they all lived happily ever after. Yeah. Oh, she does survive in the movie. Yeah. She, she no, was. No, I, I, I meant in real life. No, she was Lindsay in the first Halloween, the little girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And she's yeah. also in the Escape from Witch Mountain movies and stuff. Uh, like that. Yes, I think she's in it with her sister Kim. I think Kim Richards is in that. What? Kyle Richards has a sister, Kim Richards, and Kim Richards was the little girl in uh, Salt and Precinct Thirteen. They're they're both child actors who are showed them. Seventies or the nineties escape to which mountain? I'm lost. The nineties one? No, I'm talking about the original one, old one, the seventy five one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle was in. Um. She was a regular in uh, Low House on the Prairie series. Oh. 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 Okay. Got you. Oh yeah, she was. She was a child star. Like she's been in a bunch of stuff when she was a kid. I just remember Donald Pleasance being in that movie. That's all I remember. Ah. Yes, that's that's where they they met on Halloween, and then they were like, "I'm going to uh, little girl. I'm going to make a movie for Disney, and I'd like you to be in it." <laughs> a weird thing on, on Beverly Hills is that sometimes uh, uh, they uh, she goes to like a fan convention, yeah. and you see all these random people in backgrounds, like, and, and so I was like, "Oh, I recognize all these people from like." 80s and 70s movies, but they mm-hmm. always focus on like the drama bullshit, which is probably like about the show. But it's also it's like, no, I want to you know talk to like like all these 80s actors. That that's really cool. But uh, anyway, yes. Do you think she ever met Robert Loggia? Of course. Okay, good. We need to do another Howard Housewives episode on other on our other show. Uh, anyway, uh, do we, Spencer? Do no, we, we don't. We really don't need to. <laughs> I would totally there's a new, that. There's a new oh, okay. series, uh, 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 for but, but it's Dubai, which sounds is going to be Ooh. trashy and terrible. Yeah, I don't have cable, so I can't get to watch it. But uh, yeah. Anyways. Well, uh, you can probably get it from the same site that you get Mother Three. Exactly. That's true. Who would want to torrent Real Housewives? Come on. It, it, There's an audience for it. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> it's like one of the most popular series of all time. I'm sure somebody's out there. Yeah, probably. Anyway, yeah, so uh, Amanda, what's your Twitter and all that stuff? Um, at W Mass Liberty. And um, I kind of, I mean, I do, move, I talk about movies on there, um, sometimes video games, sometimes food. Um, sometimes I post a picture of a very small yellow dog 
Um, he thinks he's a dog. He's a bird. Um, yeah. So oh, okay. happy to talk about anything on there. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. All right. For me, I'm I'm basically a regular writer at Grumpire now. I have uh, upcoming. By the time this comes out, I will have two reviews in the action roundup for uh, September. September, uh, October. One is on Saloom, the Senegalese movie, which is great. Watch it. it it's under 90 minutes, and it's a great... I think it's a good intro for African movies if you've never really uh, seen any. And, uh, yeah. It, no graphic animal death, like, like Tukibuki, so... No, just you say that now. There is a... I don't know if you can ever trust you again. to watch it, yeah. <laughs> And I have a, a Blu-ray review of After Blue, Dirty Paradise, which is a sci-fi uh, strange movie that I've watched a trailer of, but uh, I haven't had time to actually review the movie proper yet. But uh, that's going to be my other co- contribution to that action roundup for uh, October, September. And... Uh, if there's whenever an Indian movie pops up on Prime that I want to watch, I I always have I always review those. So yeah, just go to Grumpire. If it's Indian, uh, or like something off the beaten path, and I'm probably one reviewing it. That's cool. Yeah, uh, J Dog, you what you got going on? Nothing. Someday I'll finish editing the episodes of Please Don't Send Me in Outer Space that I did one-on-ones with, including an excellent episode with Amanda that Spencer has already revealed that he was very excited for. I feel bad, but I have uh, emotional issues that are preventing me from doing this stuff. Let's go into my history. So one day mm-hmm. I – no, uh, that's that's all. That That's coming soon. Just do it when you're ready. Yeah. And uh, besides that, you can see me on America's Most Wanted, the reboot. Um, I'm the first guy that they talk about as the, they call me the Santa Claus Flasher. I won't go into details. But. Okay. Okay. Um, this is on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I assume you're done, Joel, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Next season is Almodovar. Uh, the title, as of now, will be Dark Habits and Almodovar Podcast. I might change the title slightly. And uh, Andrew from Grumpire. I always forget his last name. It's some dumb French-looking name. He, he can pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Jackass in his French name. It's not his fault he has a French name. But yeah, Andrew's a Andrew's a rad artist, and uh, he's going to do the logo. We're we're talking. We've been talking off and on for a few weeks, trying to uh, figure out like a design. It's a great way to end your uh, French New Wave podcast. <laughs> I still oh, think. Yeah, I mean, it's the end. We're all French name. <laughs> I still think it's French the end is of bullshit. the podcast. So I, this is when I can finally say fuck French movies. <laughs> I'm yeah, awful at pronouncing names that are French, and yeah, I already said that, so make fun of yeah, me all you want people that listen to this. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on Twitter and shit, so uh, 
not too long after this drops, I'll probably change the name and have the logo ready, hopefully, maybe. Yeah. But and there'll still be another episode because we have to do the wrap up episode. Yep. All right. We yeah, talk that. about our favorites. Yeah. And yeah, so that's it. Uh, again, Amanda, thank you for being the best guest on the on the finale episode. Thank you. I'm glad I beat all the competition that I'm facing. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. And uh, oh, welcome, and we will see you for wrap up episode slash. I think the episode episode I want to start with next season will be um, uh, parallel mothers. I kind of want to start start with like one, a newer one. So it, it'll probably be that or uh, you're breaking the uh, tradition. I know. Well, he do- he doesn't have any like three hour long movies, so I don't so I can't be like the long movie first anymore. Okay. It's like I kind of have to go with like a famous one first. Understandable. And we're doing Kika real early because Kika is kind of bad. Yeah, I just want to get that one <laughs> done with early. I don't think I've seen yeah. that one. You can skip it. <laughs> it has fun moments, but you can kind of skip it. It's not that great. Oh. The, yeah, there's a reason no one talks about it. Like I know I've seen like at least at least most of his movies. But yeah, definitely not that one. Yeah, yeah. It's not, there's I know of two defenders of it, and that's Pedro uh, Moldavar and, <laughs> and and his partner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's it. See you guys for when it, whatever comes out after this. Thank oh, you. recording. The show can be found on Twitter at PianoPlayerPod. Our email is still HighLowPod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, SarahKathleenRoberts.com, and thank you for listening.